Hello dear listeners and a very warm welcome to another episode of Field Notes the weekly podcast from the Hindu business line and all things agri business you can find the podcast on our website or look for business line podcasts in spotify and google podcasts and follow us for instant new show notifications if you would like us to discuss any issue in particular or suggest people you would like to hear on the pod tweet us at business line using hashtag #fieldnotes alternatively you can write to me at the email in the show's description below in the last few shows we've discussed issues related to entrepreneurship in agriculture continuing with that theme we have on the pod today Shubhadeep Sanyal who is a partner at the venture capital firm Omnivore founded in 2011 Omnivore is a VC that is completely focused on funding entrepreneurs in early stage ventures trying to build the future of agri and food systems its portfolio consists of more than 2 dozen companies ranging from online trading platforms to those who make steamed snacks Shubhadeep himself is a quintessential agri man he graduated in agri sciences at Haryana's Agri University in Hisar and he studied agri business management at IIM Ahmedabad he joined Omnivore straight from campus and has been with the firm for nearly a decade welcome to field notes chubadeep thanks so much vivek glad to be here how have you been good good all safe and sound but okay. difficult times all around us yes Shubhadeep, as an investor, do you see enough potential in India's food and agri sector to be able to run a fund like this a specialist firm like this Sure, that's a question which we get pretty often, Vivek. I think the short answer is yes. The reason why we think so is that India primarily has been an agrarian country, as far as the number of people associated with it are concerned, and a lot has not really changed or been brought up to speed in the last three or four decades, as far as the way business is conducted, the kind of inefficiencies which exist, the general quality of which the, the stakeholders are. There's not been an upgradation. right we've seen that across a lot of industries but i think agri and food it's still about just starting out and given the way demand and supply is behaving i think in a country like ours where there's a large growing middle class with more disposable income there is also a large rural population which is moving and urbanizing pretty fast and hence the pressure on lesser and lesser land to grow more food exists i think technology will play a very strong role and wherever tech plays a strong role in disrupting an industry i think venture capital as a model has potential effectively what we thought out when omnivore started and our belief continues to be pretty strong there so we are not really seeing pipeline go away like most sectors in india here to the numbers are pretty eye watering if you look at the scale of the opportunity if you look at the consumption the demand projections that you just alluded to while globally food and agri have been among the most exciting sectors to be in in india it is somewhat of what i call a meena kumari among industries you know it's always part of a dire sob story are things actually changing so i think because it is such a large space vivek it is fraught with so many stakeholders both public and private i think the change is very difficult to see one anecdotal but i think a reference which i can give is when we started out about a decade plus ago as omnivore trying to do like a crazy thing bring venture capital to early stage agri investing which did not exist in india the kind of people we used to meet who were running traditional agri enterprises they were very different their ambitions were very different their way of doing business was very different as opposed to what you see now 
which is we see people who have spent their careers have trained not as agriculturists but maybe as computer scientists or as pharma guys or as anything else as even journalists come in and trying to attack a problem differently which they think is long in nature now is it really moving the needle to answer your question i think it's very early even if you collectively look at the entire agritech startup landscape there are maybe about 1000 odd companies 800 1000 odd companies in that space most of them have started up only maybe 4 years ago 5 years ago there were very few before that but i think what these these entrepreneurs have been able to do is two things one they've been able to inspire another legion of businessmen of entrepreneurs to kind of jump in and try and work in the space and secondly it has also brought on people with capital on the investment side sit up and take notice that hey listen there is something happening here there is some organization happening here there is a kind of shift which is in process so can we be the early bird here which is what practically most investors do whenever a sector looks quote unquote hot mm-hmm. so i think that phase is where we are currently what is attracting a lot of these entrepreneurs into this sector most of the agripreneurs i talk to are either engineers or mbas yes. who've chucked up cushy jobs elsewhere and and are trying their hand at at agripreneurship why is that happening why is it attracting a lot of people who have sort of flying careers elsewhere I'll say that let's not put nazar on it but uh, I think it's a good thing but in terms of the why I think there are two primary reasons like mm-hmm. one is from a persona from a background of entrepreneurs if I were to think about profiling there is one kind which is basically as you explained that there are they studied elsewhere they probably worked also in a different sector but there is some connection to agri in the family in the extended family or maybe their grandparents still farm so there is one connect or they've spent their holidays going back to the village and what not so the problem that they are trying to solve for is at least very first hand so that is one i would say kind of persona entrepreneur persona they not, might not have studied the space technically they might not have worked in it but there is a problem which they can associate and they're out there trying that can we solve for it can we do something here can we solve for inefficiency can we in the process also make money that is one the second kind are actually people who have possibly worked with agri business companies and have hence seen opportunities slash problems as a part of their professional journeys but being part of a larger company or not often encouraged to do your own thing so whenever there is more and enough they kind of jump out and take a stab at this the third kind is very interesting to see when we see really young teams and like super smart people trying to come in and learn agriculture along the way or kind of learn the problems along the way i think that i would attribute to india not really kind of saying that hey listen startups are a bad thing and i think for that we need to thank the larger ecosystem of maybe e-commerce or maybe other segments which has normalized startups otherwise mm-hmm. if you're from a good engineering college you're getting a nice job in a tech firm seldom did we find maybe 5 years ago people leaving those and joining startups but now that's mm-hmm. very common 15 20% of fresh graduates are working with startups nowadays mm-hmm. and from very good schools with other larger corporate offers so i think that destigmatization has definitely helped create the third kind of entrepreneurs which okay. are seeing this as one of the problems they can attack and go at it early without maybe having either worked in it or without maybe having the familial context for agriculture
Shubhadeep, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see this landscape dotted by companies when they invoke this term food tech or agri-tech. It's dotted mm-hmm. with companies who are either delivering samosas through an app, and they call it food tech, or they are in some kind of supply chain business. Is there enough fundamental disruption happening? I think that's a good question, Vivek. So let me clarify as to what at least we... It's um, an outsider's view. No, I must add with a caveat. No, no, that's 100% true. So I'd like to distinguish between when we say food tech and, and agri-tech. And as a reason, Omnivore does not call itself a food tech investor. When we think about agri, I think our line stops where the consumer is probably involved. But it's not... I mean, for example, when you think about food delivery as a sector, we don't consider it's food tech. Because it's an operations business, it's a last mile delivery operations business, and that's not something which is agri. For us, agri is where the farmer, where the producer, where the grower is involved, or immediately one level up from the grower, there is disintermediation that you're causing, there is value addition that you're bringing to the table. Those are bets which are agri-tech for us. So if you take food delivery, and we've been vociferous about not calling it food tech and calling it food ops, at least internally. If you take away food ops and you look at the market, you're largely left with people who are doing one of two, three things right now. They're either helping the farmer or the trader connect to better markets or their mm-hmm. dropout. People who are doing market linkage, quote unquote. The second kind is people who are focused on providing the farmers or the growers with mm-hmm. certain inputs. They could be physical inputs. They could be technological inputs, intellectual inputs. They could be slowly we're getting their financial inputs as well. Whatever they need for their business journey can be provided to the farmer better, cheaper, more accurately, more optimally, ensure there is less curious material going down and things like that. Those are the problems being solved for as well. Mm -hmm. And the third kind is again where folks are looking at completely deep technology related research where they're saying that, okay, can I look at a fruit and tell or do a quick five second scan and tell whether it's ready for harvesting or not, whether it has reached a certain bricks content or not, whether this bag of maize, what is the moisture content, can it trade accordingly or not, things like that. But there, I think it's a lot of fundamental research, which then blends into the first and second kind of players when it operationalizes. Those are broadly, very, very crudely speaking, what we see as agri-tech. Now, food processing, again, since you mentioned that in, in our intro as well, I think it plays a very strong role as far as a better income for farmers is concerned, better shelf life, better even for producers and for retailers and the chain. And we're still very small as far as our food processing is concerned as a percentage of the produce that we grow. Not, not in absolute terms, but as a percentage, it's still pretty small and a lot needs to be done there. As far as I would say the talk about agri-tech goes or the general outsider's view about food and agri, when they club food and agri together, unfortunately in food, it's largely even the dollars invested or the dollars burnt, if I may, are largely towards us getting a samosa delivered at home. So for us, we, we don't really consider that as agri or consider that as part of what we do. Do you think India has the kind of research ecosystem to help support and sustain some of the breakthrough technologies that we would want to see in this sector? The short answer is there is a lot of infrastructure. But I think like a lot of other areas, our talent tends to 
not stick around here again i'll probably give a personal example in our entire batch when we were graduating from hiu most of the folks ended up taking government jobs or banking jobs there was 10% which wanted to go in for this crazy mba which included myself and the ones who remained basically did their msc similarly the ones who remained after their msc did their phd there were only one or two folks who chose to do a phd what i'm trying to get at is that while the infrastructure exists and there is enough support going into candidates who want to do their masters and phd and postgrad and what not in fundamental research i think somewhere the linkage with industry somewhere the fact that you can also do your own startup is not vibrant enough so i'll be lying if i say that we have fantastic and we have sorted out everything i think our research systems are great but they often kind of tend to work in isolation with what the needs of the market are i think breeders have done a fantastic job in india yeah, if i look at yeah. our breeders they've done a phenomenal job there are great varieties which state and central universities come out with and there are also partnerships with the private sector that you see and then scaling but beyond that i think it's very far and few that we see really cutting edge tech from the agri educational and research system which is translated on the and one of the major reasons it it could be a chicken and egg situation honestly I and mean, we haven't really given it too much thought but could be that talent doesn't stick around hence there is no outcome and or the other way to think about it is there's not enough incentive for talent to stick around and hence mm-hmm. you know it doesn't develop better from an in- investor perspective what are some of the trends you know that will disrupt this space going forward where do you see the room for maximum innovation what are the trends that would shape this space so i think when it comes to innovation and disruption i would maybe try to draw a fine line between them there might be a lot of innovations which in itself are not that wondrous but the disruption that they cause the positive disruption that they cause is fantastic and there might be something which is extremely innovative from a scientific bent of mind but that does not really cause a massive impact in the market so when we think about indian ag i think we see more cases of the first kind the the innovations required are kind of logical incremental most of them are around how can we plug for inefficiencies how can we solve an operations problem largely mm-hmm. matching demand and supply matching demand and supply itself is a very sticky problem and it will take people enough time to solve for it the next one could be can we predict prices can you predict demand can you predict supply can you do a price prediction algorithm which is somewhat accurate so that farmers can in time plan their produce or a processor can in time plan how much they want to run their plant things like that i think that is what we will aspire towards becoming as and when more and more data becomes prevalent in the space in terms of like hardcore disruptions one clear area where we see this coming through there's of course enough and more happening as far as remote sensing is concerned and satellite images and yeah, that see- that seems to be a really hot area of precision agriculture and spectral imaging spectral uh, imaging correct correct i was coming to that right spectral imaging which can help you determine the quality of the crop even pre harvest and post harvest quality of soil for that matter using hyperspectral those are i think strong research there are very good teams working on it that's i think positive but i think for disruption to happen there is still time for these guys maybe in the next 5 years we'll see them disrupt faster i think the other piece has generally been that tech which is built on top of growing mobile phone penetration and internet usage that is basically how you could translate a lot of this to the user so mm-hmm. it's a means to get to farmer and to somebody in the agri ecosystem but i think that also is going to come up with a lot of potential business models the one thing which we haven't yet scratched the surface is i guess organized finance uh mm-hmm. credit organized finance 
I think that is going to be a massive opportunity which opens as in when we build these data blocks and we build some history. That's what actuarial guys need. And more and more of these platforms that we see in Agri today, I think as they scale, as they become more focused and as the same stakeholder comes back again and again and builds out history with them, I think we'll see credit also play a very, very strong role and see some very large companies emerge in that, what we don't do today or what we don't have today. In terms of the evolutionary curve, how would agri-tech or food tech and agri-tech space compare with, say, another hot and happening sector like edutech? There are some signs, I think, are kind of parallel. If you all look at edutech, I think one of the key drivers for, you know, the way the industry has grown has been, A, in many places, it was that the existing system was broken, broken to the extent that maybe the teacher-student ratio was really terrible. Maybe the kind of content being used in a classroom pedagogy was really old and relevant and not really up to the mark, was not engaging. Multiple problems. And one of the ways in which most of the edtech guys have at least started to solve or are solving for it is to take it direct to the user. Most of the edtech guys which have scaled are basically saying that, okay, we will become like a bridge where content will talk to the end user directly. And then there are different models, of course, around it. But everyone is using digitization, everyone is using mobiles, everyone is using a direct funnel to reach and talk to the the person who needs to affect the change. And hence, it is also a very primary requirement. As again, to my point, as more and more India really moves up in income, everybody wants the next generation to read better, learn better and have best tools at their disposal to do the same. I think a similar, if not exact, but somewhat similar journey right now we're seeing in Agri as well, where the next generation of agriculturists, whether they've been folks who have been in that business for generations or people like me who have kind of chosen to work in the space, I think they're all realizing that there is this new way of doing business. We are seeing so many farmers searching. If you opened up any YouTube, Facebook kind of group, you will see dedicated farmer to farmer interactions happening. They might not be super organized right now, but like there are channels with millions of viewers and subscribers who are looking out for certain specific inputs, certain specific advisory, looking out for better markets for their produce, looking out for labor. So the ask is there. Now the point is how fast and in what shape and form will you fulfill that ask? That's where I think Agri also is. And digitization is a very, very strong backbone on the basis of which this change will get affected. Now, being in Agri, you can't really solve everything digitally. That is maybe one small difference between Agri and EdTech. There is a physical produce which has to be grown. There is a physical fertilizer which has to be applied. And there is a physical harvesting that you have to do and move it and so on and so forth. So it will remain a what we call digital universe, you know, physical plus digital universe. But I think that parallelism is what we're now seeing. I also think that it's probably going to take slightly longer. It's not all rosy always, right? There are incentives and misincentives which abound the space. There are subsidies which are given out which might tweak the incentive of the farmer. There is informal credit which is crushing a lot of farmers and not enabling them to kind of move to other alternates. So it's not as simple as just taking another subscription. To that extent, I think it will take longer for it to see some more scale the way EdTech has been. How long before we encounter the first agri or food tech unicorn? Again, so food tech unicorns are there. If I debunk it and say food ops unicorns are there. I think with with agri and food sector, our sense is, I think definitely within 
the next 18 months or 24 months you'll see the first unicorn definitely okay. Okay. should be earlier but definitely within that not first i think we'll see two three unicorns emerging within the next two years any clues as to which sectors sub sectors they may be in i think the first crop of such unicorns would definitely be platforms whether they are kind of farmer focused platforms or more mid mile oriented platforms which are working on market linkage plus maybe financing or maybe inputs some names which come to the fore are you know possibly a ninja cart vekul or a dehat folks like arya will also kind of follow a samunati which is more finance led is one strong contender as well so we'll see at least you know a few guys emerging from this and reaching that the interesting thing here again is that, that most of the agri and and this is building into the future but that's kind of what we do for a living most of the companies that you'll see in agri reaching a certain milestone like quote unquote unicorn will also be backed by very strong numbers as far as their growth is concerned or their reach is concerned which is sometimes very different from other sectors where there might be a top line but the bottom line is completely non-existent or or does not really have a future sustainability is always in question it's a deep dark hole sometimes we don't foresee that in agri beyond a point i think that is one other slight advantage which agri holds is that it's a more resilient space the disadvantage is that you possibly can't grow 50x in one year which you might do if you're an edtech company or if you're in fintech or what have you because at the end of every agri company is a is a biological supply chain which Correct. works in a certain case that kind of giddy hyper growth perhaps not possible is perhaps not possible yes i think it's all about what base you are thinking from if you are doing few lakhs a month of course that's possible if you are doing a few crores a month i think that slows down if you are doing a couple of 100 crores a month in business then moving from that to a couple of thousand is not possible within you know a two month time frame because as i said this is real revenue there is actually movement which has a certain time associated with it which has to follow what are some of the things that you look for in a new venture or an entrepreneur while making the investment decision this and, is I, a, and does it differ in this sector or are the traits common across all sectors it is agnostic sure, sure. I think some of the factors remain the same. For example, one thing which most investors would look for is has the team or has the entrepreneur understood the problem they are trying to solve well. Basically means that have they spent some time validating what their thesis is? Do they know how deep it runs? Is it a peripheral problem? is it just another case where you're aping somebody else and where the trend is or or do you genuinely have a grip on what you're trying to solve for i think that is a very very strong evaluation that we always do respective of sector the second is of course kind of the pedigree of the team what their motivations are what kind of work have they done in the past what kind of schools have they gone to what kind of rigor are they used to can they inspire others to join in at the stages where we come in is a, is a very lordly journey you're bootstrapped largely and you're trying to build great team and you don't have currency you don't have people to pay salaries even after funding you can't really pay the market many a times right so can you really inspire others to join your journey i think that is a very very important trait in entrepreneurs that we all look out for and again i think this is irrespective of sector as far as i think business models are concerned or let's say revenue projections are concerned everyone has a different metric given that we come in early mostly we come in early we as omnivore we come in anywhere between seed to series a largely 
unselectively into rounds later than that i think we tend to do a lot of our work more around the founder and the problem and the tam and things like that and less around financial modeling mm-hmm. because it's a lot to do with is this a real problem and and there's a lot of ground validation that happens i think that is one aspect where agri might differ from other sectors where there is already a lot of data available for you to validate whether this thesis is real or not or whether this is a genuine problem or not in agri that data is often not there so you have to travel a lot more you have to i guess speak to stakeholders on the ground a lot more during diligence as compared to some of the other sectors as far as entrepreneur evaluation is concerned i genuinely don't think we look out for anything more one aspect that we sometimes do look out for and maybe that's something which other sectors don't need to is the entrepreneur kind of patient because given that this sector might require you to stick around for a few more years might not be a three year four year journey which many other sectors you see unicorns zooming in like third fourth year of their inception that might not happen in agri so for us we also try and look out for entrepreneurs who are doing this with a slightly long term view those would be some of the things which i think largely any investor would look out for the, the last and most important one i think which we don't talk about enough is of course the ability to exit and that's important for any vc ecosystem to be good at and exits when you're investing is largely built around like a thesis that okay you know if abc happens then d might happen and it might happen in one or two ways but at least like having a viewpoint is important while evaluating that okay how does this exit it can't be just all up in the air you need to have a thesis will it not change chances are it might there are also sometimes that regulations might throw you a spanner in the works you need to pivot accordingly so i think that is fine but as long as you do have that as one of your outcomes and you have the entrepreneur aligned to the fact that hey listen i'm with you for the next maybe 5 years 7 years but at some point we will need to get out so that alignment is very important to do our part and you need to have entrepreneurs who are okay with that and that's perfectly fine there are entrepreneurs who are perfectly happy in running a business running like an sme which makes a lot of money but they don't like too many questions or too many people in and out etc mm. which in case you know should signal to you that hey listen this is not really a venture model then then you're happier doing this at your own pace sabra ka phal meetha hota hai truly holds good for this sector i suppose well yes sabar ka phal generally meetha hota hai <laughs> yes uh, thanks a lot shubhadeep for joining us phal sad bhi jayega na ped pe ji so that's all important thank you shubhadeep great thank you listeners until next week goodbye and god bless